0: Good morning, Anthem. Well, we have so far in the stewarded life, we have looked at the call to stewardship. And we've started by looking at three aspects of ourselves, uh, starting with what does it look like to steward ourselves, our own lives. And, and the first one that we looked at, the aspect of ourselves was, were our souls. And then last week, we looked at our emotions. And this week, we are going to look at uh, stewarding our bodies. Stewarding our body. Now, I know as soon as I say stewarding our body, it's, it's one of those subjects that some of you are like, yeah, so I want to talk about like today is, is, is physical fitness and my body and how to beautiful, beautify my body. It seems like everyone's crazed about how to maximize our bodies and optimize our bodies. Uh, on the other hand, it's kind of, it's a touchy subject. It's one of those subjects that we almost don't want to touch at all and talk about at all what it looks like to steward our bodies. Uh, I, I think, in part, this is because we live in such an, an image-conscious age, right? We're, we're obsessed with our, our bodies, and so some of us, we feel drawn to that, and others of us, we want to kind of push away at that and not even talk about the subject. Uh, in fact, when I was uh, starting a few weeks ago and I realized we were going to talk about this, this topic... Uh, I I remember one of the first things I did was I was like, well, what's out there? And so one, I went on to, uh, I don't have them on my phone, but I went online and I tried to go on TikTok and I just typed in bodies. And it took me about three seconds to realize that was a mistake. And And then the second thing, as I flipped through and just looked at all the advice that was out there, I was like, this is just getting weird. Uh, there's all kinds of advice that was coming at me. And so as I've been like going to the grocery store the last few weeks, I'll just like pick up a magazine and I'll, you know, like men's health or one of those, and I'll just flip through and read it. And it's like, get your, like, do this, these three things and you'll have an eight pack abs, right? Like, or or it's sun's out, guns out. It's springtime. It's time to go to the beach, right? So we're all hearing all of this messaging right now about bodies, or it's, if you eat these three things, then your, your, your body will flourish and your skin will be glowing, right? Everything's about how to optimize our bodies, maximize our bodies, and there's so much advice, there's so many opinions, but in the midst of all the advice columns and editorializing, and in the midst of all of the airbrushed images that are coming at us, the question remains, what does it mean to steward our bodies? What, what kind of relationship are we supposed to have with to our bodies? How are we supposed to care for our bodies? What, what's the purpose of our bodies? How should we think about our bodies? That's what we're going to look at today. We're going to look at how to steward our bodies, and we're going to look at it first by the truth about our bodies. We'll look at the truth about our bodies, and then second, the lies about our bodies, and then third, we're going to look at how to steward our bodies. So let's pray, pray and then we'll we'll jump in. Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for, uh, in many ways, this very simple truth, which is we are embodied souls, uh, that you have given us a physical reality. You've placed us in bodies. Lord, would, would we rediscover the beauty of that, the goodness of that truth? And Lord, would you give us wisdom? Uh, all of us here today are coming at this from different places and have all kinds of swirling questions in our minds and, and different defaults that we, we live out and and also things that we're wondering what steps should we take, Lord, and just stewarding our bodies for your glory and for our joy. And so, Lord, would you just direct us? Would you help us to have a healthy view of our bodies and how we are to steward them? We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, one of the things in thinking about just the fact that we have bodies is when I, when I got up this morning, it just hit me how, uh, I guess, just how mon- mundane we tend to view our bodies. And, and I got out of bed, and, and I actually was thinking to myself and going through it. I was like, I don't know, just kind of slowing down and going, like, I, I, wake, like I, I slept all night. I have no idea what was going on, but I was in a body, and my body stayed alive. My body woke up. Uh, my body now is recharged, feels refreshed. Uh, my body is thirsty and so I, I have these appetites and so I wander kind of, you know, even as I was walking through the house and I like, think about how amazing it is that like my, my legs can can just move with this like fluid movement. And, and then I, I go into the kitchen and I get, I get a drink of water and I, I always drink eight ounces of water right away when I wake up and so I drink a, a glass of water and then how it just the sensations in my body and then going in and brushing my teeth and like all these things that we do. Here's one of the things that I, it, it hit me this morning. We tend to view, like, the experience, this reality of being in bodies in such a, almost just such a mundane way. It's, it's as if we, we take our bodies for granted, this, this fact that we exist in these bodies. And if you can imagine, like if we didn't have bodies and you were like spirits in some planet and you came and you saw us in these, I don't know, call them vehicles, right? In these bodies and we're moving around and we're doing all these things. You can imagine that, that in some kind of a, of a being that didn't have a body would look at our bodies and be that's amazing. That's amazing. And and here's one of the truths that we tend to overlook about our bodies. God created us with bodies. And the first thing is God delighted to create us with bodies. What I want to set stage for here with these truths about our bodies is here's the big big banner, really, what I'm going for, is they're part of God's goodness, and God delights in making us in bodies. And God, we experience delight in our bodies. Our, Our bodies are actually something that should bring us delight. And God delighted to create us with bodies. In Genesis 1, it's easy to skip over it. God creates every day, and it was good, and it was good. And we've, we've talked about this, that God in creation, what's happening there is God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, who existed in eternity past in delight, now God himself, his very being, which is overflowing with this love, this delight in himself, has created this physical world, this creation and, and it's meant to shout the glory and the goodness and the beauty and the truth of who God is. And part of that good creation, part of that good design, is then that on the sixth day, He creates man in His image, and He creates us with bodies. Where We are embodied souls. There is no such thing as a human being that just has a soul or just, you know, kind of like, I'm just this emotional blob that's out there floating around. No, everyone is in a body. We have bodies. And God, when He designed us, said, that's good. Physicality, your body, that is good. It's good. And, and here's the thing, and this, I just want to say this from the outset because of the day and age that we live in. Where we're all over upside down trying to figure out how do we evaluate our own bodies? Do you realize if you have a personal creator who designed you and he says it's good that you have a body, do you realize that that means that the body that God designed for you, it means that God delights in the very body that he gave you? Your body and the design of your body is not a mistake. And when I'm saying that, I'm saying that's with all, like, that's with all the asymmetries. That, that means with what, whatever is your height. That means whatever is your natural shape. That means whatever is your natural hair color. That means if your your hair is thick or your hair is fading, like some people in this room, right? Skin color, all these things. Our bodies are given uniquely by God, and God delights. And so, and here's the thing: we that means that God desires that when we look in the mirror, we want to evaluate our bodies and go, there's something, there's just all we see are the flaws. See, if, if we are just all by random chance, just evolved into this form that we're in, And every truth, every value is just something that's culturally constructed, that some society, some person, somebody at some point gets to evaluate and judge what is the value of something, what is the purpose of of things, and, and, and that's all something that we've just constructed, then yes, Every time we look in the mirror, we better look in the mirror, or every time we try to jump or we try to do something with our bodies, we have to judge ourselves against the arbitrary standards that we've created. But if we have a God who is a personal God of the universe, and he delighted us and he, in us, and he says, the very stamp of my image that I uniquely placed on you with the body that I gave you, your body is good, your body is beautiful. That changes how we look at our bodies. And I get it. Guys, like, we all have insecurities, right? Like, I already mentioned my hair. May or may not be an insecurity as I get older, right? Like, I have, so I have big ears. Some of you are like, he said it, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, I've always, like, ever since I was little, like, I, I, when I was a kid, like, they were bigger. And you know what really, really stinks is apparently because cartilage keeps growing, like, your nose and your ears keep growing and getting bigger. It's like, the one thing... Like the one thing I'll never grow into. Like it's just always going to outgrow. My kids like a month ago watched Dumbo for the first time. And my kids, like one of my kids, they were like, you know, some, some babies have, they're like, you know, critiquing each other. They have big ears and they're like, well, some people just have bigger ears. And they turned to me and they said, daddy. And I was like, don't go there. <laughs> I was like, don't even go there. I can't, like, don't body shame me. I can't do this, kids. And we all have these things. I have toes that are longer than my wife's fingers, Okay. Like it's weird, like I'll reach over on the couch, I love it, I'll like pinch my kids, I'll grab things, it creeps them out, but I, I hate wearing sandals, like because people at some point will be talking to me and it's like, they're li- I'm like, eyes up, eyes up, I'm here. Right, because I have toes. Like well, here's the thing, we all have, like ears, toes, I'm like I'm, I, I'm the missing link. Uh, we all have, we all have things. Like, right, we, we, and we could spend our lives all saying, like, looking at all the things that we have, all these, okay, here's the thing, what if the way, what, just what if the way that we evaluate our shape, our height, our muscle tone, or we have freckles, or we have warts, or we have wrinkles, whatever it might be about our bodies, what if the ways that we evaluate it aren't, they're just not the right ways to evaluate? Because what God says is, I delighted to create you with a body. And the very body that you have, I, I have created and I say it is good and it is beautiful. With all the long toes and the big ears and whatever's asymmetrical, whatever it is. And God says, Let me be your mirror. So the first thing is that our God delighted to create us with bodies. The second truth is that our bodies are for God's glory. So, God we talked about, when we talked about stewardship opening up this series, God created the world, and He placed us in His image in, in that garden, in, in His world. And, and the picture we can have there as human beings of our call to steward is to take the raw materials of creation and cultivate them, develop them, delight in them, join in that delight that God has, and, and develop them for God's glory. And in our bodies, God has equipped them with the capacity to do that kind of work. God has equipped our bodies with, we all have different skill sets. We all have different natural talents. And, and, and yes, with our bodies, we're talking about what we can actually do with our hands. We're talking about what we can, our minds, we're, like, what we can do with our mouths. Like, we, we all have things that God has gifted us. And, and God says, I want you to use your bodies. Women, you are, naturally, uh, you are naturally created and designed to nurture life in unbelievable ways with your bodies. God designed our bodies in order to glorify Him, to cultivate glory, to nurture life and to further that delight in the world. And one of the other things with that is it's not just work, right? Like God didn't just make our bodies and it's for His glory, so get to work and it's just duty. Think about it, God also just... God is a God of delight who creates, God is, it says like he makes the Leviathan in the sea, and, and God's just kind of like frolicking, I've always, you know the March of the Penguins, it's kind of like been a while now, but everyone's. it's Morgan Freeman, right, this is the March of the Penguins, right, and, and they have this thing where they're like marching, and it's, and you're like, why am I going to watch two hours worth of just watching penguins, walk around Antarctica, and you're watching it, it's fascinating, and you're like, this is amazing. Like, they, they just waddle back and forth, and they're like hiding their eggs, and they have these little spats with one another, right? And they just. And then I realized when I was watching it, I was like, no human being had ever seen this until maybe 100 years ago. And God, since the foundation of the world, when He created penguins, Every single season was up there just like with his own. Yeah, I imagine God, like before, like he already had the Morgan Freeman voice. Like, God's just up there and they're marching across the pendulum, right? But laughing to himself. But he's delighting. He, he just creates and he delights in his creatures. And, and God created our bodies, and I think he delights in the, the things our bodies can do. I remember once I got sick, courtside. Uh, it was the last season before Kobe Bryant uh, blew out his, his Achilles and so I, it was, he was right there and so I got to watch right up close and I remember watching just in person seeing like the fadeaway jumper and the, the movement, the fluidity of it and just being in awe. Like, God made human beings who can do this. Paul Gasol, like, seven foot, and he could just on a dime stop and just a little teardropper. And I'm like, how does a human being's body do this? Like, when you're right there and you realize that, and here's the thing, your body, God created your body with the abilities of what it can do just out of delight, and we should take delight in whether it's dancing, whether it's playing ball, whether it's riding a horse, whether it's walking down the street, whatever it is, God, take delight. God made us for his glory to just take delight in the fact that our bodies move. Our bodies also glorify God in the fact that we sense things, we 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 taste things. God, when, when I made coffee this morning and I add oat milk to it, I roast my own coffee. I'm a snob. It's okay, but I, I like I, I just I take it every morning and I I take it in and I enjoy the taste. And here's the thing: God did not just give say, well, your body needs energy to run, and you're going to glorify me, and you need to do things for me. So I'm just going to like insert like a fuel tank, some kind of tasteless paste and your body. He gives us all kinds of foods. The world is filled with all kinds of colors. We, we, we receive all kinds of sensations. We fall in love. And our, our hair, the hair on our arm stands on its end. Right, like we, we taste good foods. We take in beautiful sights and sunsets. And we do all this with our bodies. God gave us our bodies so that we would delight in Him. And that in delighting in Him, when our our bodies are like, wow, or this is amazing. or Like, these are good things. They're part of God's good creation. Of course, anything that's good can become a God thing, and it becomes a bad thing. We can worship the creation. But at the end of the day, God has created us with these abilities to sense these things in our bodies so that when we delight in these things, it would roll up in thanks to God. Somebody made this. Somebody hardwired this. He's good. God created our bodies for His glory. The third truth is our bodies are not our temporary home. Now, I phrase it that way on purpose because you go, wait a minute, they are temporary. Don't you know we're going to die? Like, this is going to get weird now, right? Now, what I'm saying is that we do not just exist temporarily in bodies, and then one day our hope is that we will then just become spiritual beings without bodies, and that's where we go for eternity, uh, the reason why Jesus was resurrected from the grave with a body is because it points to a future truth, which is that we will be resurrected and given resurrected bodies. When we first die, we are in a disembodied state, but at the final resurrection, we will all be given glorified bodies, resurrected bodies. First Corinthians fifteen fifty-three: for this imperishable body or this perishable body must Put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. The Bible, while acknowledging that in this life we have failing, fading, weakening bodies, doesn't ever present the goal ultimately as escaping being embodied. That's not the ultimate escape. What the, body, or what, the, what the Bible presents is that our ultimate hope is that God would redeem all things and that includes our bodies, which means that this life, as we steward our bodies in this life, as we learn to delight in God in this life, as we, as we do these things, it's preparing for us an eternity and an embodied existence with God forever, Now, that goes to the last truth, the fourth truth, which is that God the Son himself took on a body. So, Jesus, when he came and took on flesh, now Jesus is resurrected, he ascends to the Father's right hand. Jesus will be in an embodied form forever, and we will be with Jesus in embodied form forever forever which means that when Jesus came, it means that redemption applies also to our bodies. God is not just restoring our emotions. God is not just renewing our our minds. God is not just renewing our hearts, our souls, but God also, part of his redemption has to do with the physical creation. God will renew all of creation, and there's a mystery to how exactly that will look, but then we will be in the new heavens and new earth. There will be this physical realm we will be in, and our bodies, we will be given glorified, resurrected bodies, and we will be in that embodied form in the new heavens and earth with a risen physical Savior. Jesus came so that we would take seriously the fact that we're embodied creatures, and God takes delight in that, and He wants to restore it, and He wants us to know that forever and ever. So, those are a a few core truths about what it means to be embodied. Before we look at then, so how do we care for our bodies? How do we steward our bodies? Uh, and, and get really practical on that. Uh, what I want to address first are a few lies about our bodies. A few lies about our bodies. Uh, the first one is, my body is my body. Now, I, I've stated that in a way, on purpose, somewhat to provoke. Here's, here's what, what I mean, is that ultimately, what we believe is that our body is ultimately just mine. Uh, two parts of that. One, I should say first, uh, our, our bodies, yes, in the sense that my body is my body and it should, like, I sh- it should not be violated, violated by another and I get to determine what is who touches my body, that, that's not what I'm saying. Yes, that is true. In that sense, our bodies are our bodies. Are, we are uniquely made in the image of God and giving the dignity of being made in the image of God and therefore should be treated as such. But what I mean by this is that ultimately, our body is the Lord's. Ultimately, our body is... Is the Lord's. He's the one who owns our body, which means then that we steward our body according to His purposes. If God is the creator who designed our bodies, and and he created our bodies so that they would be made in his image, and we'd be able to join in that capacity to know him, to love him, to obey him, to delight in him, to worship him, to have life in him forever, and he designed us for that, then he tells us, so therefore, live in your bodies in this way. And if you deviate from that design, our bodies are designed for that reality. If you deviate from that design, it will not go well with you. You will not find life. You will find death. You will find the distortion of life. And what happens when we believe that just our body is our own, a few things happen. One is that we begin to, then if our bodies, we believe ultimately it's just my own. It doesn't matter what God says about what I do with my body. It's just what I want to do with my body. Then it becomes just whatever our desires or our passions or our appetites, what they tell us, those things become our God, de facto, Because that means my body, I get to determine what my body wants is what I get, and that becomes God's will, or at least I baptize it as that. And it actually means, we could say, oh, I I don't have to follow God. Actually, you do, it's just you're unwilling to call your desires your God. And so one of the sanctifying things about stewarding our bodies is that when we steward our bodies, we come up against desires. We live in a fallen world. So in our flesh, we will desire things. Our bodies will desire things and lead us to things that actually aren't of God. And one of the sanctifying things about stewarding our bodies and caring for our bodies and submitting our bodies to God according to his design is that it's one of the ways to tangibly actually wrestle with and, and, and submit ourselves to God's law. Because where it most tangibly and palpably acutely comes up, a lot of times is in our bodily desires. And so if we're willing to steward our bodies and direct them to God's, God's calling upon us, then we will turn not only our bodies but our souls towards the Lord. And ultimately with that as well, what our bodies are not just my body, our body, the Lord owns our body and the Lord calls us to steward our body for the good of others. Our bodies aren't just meant to be used to please ourselves. Our bodies are placed into this vast network of relationships and commitments and dependencies that and interdependencies that God has placed us in with one another, that our bodies are meant to be stewarded in such a way that we can maximize service to others. If Jesus taught us anything, if anything. What Jesus taught us was that the moment that it says in John 13, we looked at this a few months ago, the moment that it said that all authority in heaven and earth had been given to him, what does the next verse say? That's verse 3. What does verse 4 say? It says that then he immediately took on the form of a servant. And how does Jesus use his body? He gets down on his knees and he begins washing the feet of those around us. Jesus gives us the template of what it looks like, how we are to use our bodies, whether it's the strength of our bodies whether it's the, 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 the attitudes that arise in our, in our bodies and how we channel them, nurturing, how we use our hands, how we use our mouths, that our bodies are the Lord's and they're meant to be stewarded to serve those around us in order to point others to Him. Our bodies are not our own. They're the Lord's to be stewarded for His purposes. The second lie then is that our bodies... By the way, one of the things as well is when we do steward our bodies, our appetites, our desires to God's design, it actually brings comfort. I was reflecting on this this week. Um, the Heidelberg Catechism, the question, one of the primary questions that comes up is, What is your only comfort in life and death? You may have heard this. This is a, they used to, children and adults would memorize this, and before they'd be baptized, they memorize a question with an answer. So, what's your only hope? That I am not my own, but belong with body and soul, both in life and in death, to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. When we live our lives, see, that's a beautiful truth that in body and soul, I belong to Jesus, and so on the last day, I have that hope. Our lives work that backwards into your daily life. If we live our lives though, where we cultivate as if my body is my own, oh yes, spiritually, I'll worship Jesus, but I'll do what I want with my own body. We won't deep down know that comfort what god calls us to is to submit our bodies to him and to submit also our souls to him and as we do so what happens is it deepens that comfort that yes my body my soul they all of me the whole of me belongs to the lord and that means that the lord will not only lead me he will save me he will sustain me the second lie that comes up with our bodies is our bodies are our glory Right before I said our bodies are for God's glory, but the lie can be that our bodies are our glory. I think this is one of the hardest ones to avoid today, and I don't just mean this for women. I mean this for men and women. It is so incredibly hard now today not to find our glory in our bodies. We live in an image-conscious day. We're obsessed with it. We live in a day where I was reading a sociologist where they were just writing about the impact of now the fact that even we orient ourselves in the world, like with the selfie orientation, we orient ourself in the world with every beautiful thing in the world now has us in the foreground. There's something about the, just the way we think of ourselves physically in the world around us, but it can not only be image, but also it can become what we, we worship and find glory and not only our image and what we look like when to come back to that in the moment, but also what our bodies can do. What our bodies can do. You know, I am, um, so I, I went to high school down the road from LeBron James. I was actually a year ahead of him. I got to see him a whole bunch in high school. He scored 44 points on my friend, destroyed him um, when he was guarding him. <laughs> uh, and so I've gotten to watch him from the very, very beginning. And so when one of the things, it's been, it's been great, it's really cool, it's amazing. But I remember, like, one of the things that's interesting is how quickly. Like how quick, because I was—I I mean, honestly—he was a man child. Like it was—it was, it was an awe, like the jumping and the and what he could do physically, and it was wow. And guess what? It felt like it would last forever. And on, I was jelly. Like I was like, man, I want that. Like I want to be able to. I want to. People look at me, and I walk in a room, and they just are like, throw me a basketball and like do things, like amaze us, right? Like no one does that with me. Like, but there's something about even with where we. In our, our society right now where it's not just image but also capabilities what our bodies can do. Where we do, we worship. And, and it's a beautiful thing to look at, like physicality, but we also, what we can do is find glory in that. Rather than just delighting in it like a child, what we can do is we can say, this is what defines me, this is what gives me value. And so it can be with our bodies, our ability, with some kind of a specific skill. It could be um, our, our, even our minds and our intellectual capabilities. But we can find glory in our bodies, and it begins to define what is most significant about us. And we feel it all in different ways, but the thing is that Scripture again and again warns against finding our glory in our bodies. I I see in Scripture two primary ways that it will often do this, because what Scripture is saying is don't lose don't lose the delight, like don't allow, your bodies are an amazing thing, being embodied is this amazing thing, but just like with anything that's amazing, it can be twisted, and then actually you can be robbed of the real enjoyment of it. One of the ways the scripture talks about why not to glory in our body, it has a lot to do with image, and it'll talk about the fact that because our beauty and our strength, it fades. You see this again and again, you see it throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament. That if we find our, our, our sense of self, you, and when I, when I say it, like, I, I'm talking about when you walk into a room and you have that moment where everyone kind of looks at you and they go, wow. And, and in that moment, you're like, that's the thing that fills up my tank. And if I don't have that, what am I? I was just listening to an interview like two weeks ago with actually a former uh, supermodel. She's in her 50s now, and she was talking about how hard it is that now when she walks in a room, all the men don't immediately follow her with their eyes. There's a movie uh, old, M. Night Shyamalan, one of his most recent disappointing offerings. And uh, and, and then, (laughs) sorry, that was an unnecessary dig, Uh, but he... um, it essentially captures, in 24 hours, where people go from, they speed through life and they age. That's what it's called old. It's this island that's like a mind or, or time travel vortex or something. And, um, and what happens is every hour they're like aging a year or two. And after like, um, or, or a decade or some, something like that, well, this gal, there are different, different characters that represent different people or different groups in society. And one of them is a supermodel. Start, she's on the beach, and she's taking the selfies and doing all that, and everyone's like, wow, you know, look at her. And within a day, what happens is as she's aging, she begins increasingly to go into this cave that she found. And, and the movie ends with her uh, in this cave and she's, as people try to go find her and they find her and they, they bring the torch and they, they can see her and her, her, you know, her skin is sagging and she's aged and all of a sudden she's like a 90-year-old and she begins screaming, not get away from me, get away from me, just screaming this shrilly and she's terrified that they would see her. One of the, it, it captures like this sped up version of what happens over the course of our lifetime, if we, we look to find our identity and that sense of, wow, when others around me, when I find that significance by them saying, wow, then what happens is, uh, eventually, you, you have to run away from where everywhere around you to remind you that no one's saying wow. And it leads to isolation. And, and you end up dying a thousand deaths before they actually put you in the ground beauty is fading strength is fading and scripture gives us again and again that perspective it's hard for us to have that perspective a lot of you are young i'm 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 like almost i don't know am i middle-aged sorry i'm having a crisis but i don't know what i am i'm on the front end of it but you do you get to this point where you realize these things really are fading and, and Scripture gives us that perspective to say this body is fading and it's momentary. And part of stewarding it is, is growing closer to the Lord and not finding your identity in your body, but finding it ultimately in the Lord and cultivating character, cultivating godliness. This is why Paul in this passage, which, sorry, actually I actually haven't gone back to it and been explicit here, in this passage where he says, rather train yourself for godliness, for while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way. Why? We think godly, bodily training is a value. We're gonna come back to that. Like, you, you should take care of your body, but godliness is a value in every way. Because that doesn't fade, it doesn't fade. It holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. And so that, that bodily training, that care for our body is always within the place of, of pointing us towards and training in godliness and pointing our hearts towards God, even in our disposition towards our own bodies. But then here's the thing. It's not just that that, that fades because then you go well, if, if it's just that it's all about like well it's going to fade, but then I'm going to get a resurrected body and wait until I am you see me in that right like and then I can strut around in my resurrected body and I'll, I'll look one of, like one of those Twilight characters with like diamond encrusted skin or something, and but so what's the other reason why Scripture often is addressing the lie of not glorifying or glorying in our bodies and finding our glory in our bodies? The other one has to do with the fact that when we we find our glory in our body, what happens is. We tend to miss all the glory around us, and this is this is just like a sad reality that we often run into. Uh, when we were we were on the beach, I can't remember which vacation uh, we were on the uh, on the beach, and I, I was with the kids and we were building sandcastles sand castles. And I, I kept noticing there were these probably they were like teenage college age girls, and they were doing the selfie pictures um, for a while. And I and I remember they're you know they're trying to like and it's like an hour later. And they're still going. I'm like, wow, <laughs> really trying to nail this pose, right? But what I noticed was after they would, they would take the photos, they would then, you know, kind of take, and they're all like, you, you know, I'm not going to do all the, I'm going to become a meme if I do it. Uh, but they're doing all the poses and they're, they're smiling and they look all happy. And as soon as the camera goes off, it's like, they're kind of pointing at things. Yeah, that, the shadow. You know, I don't know what there's that, that wrinkle, that, you know, your hair's not right there. Your eyes are a little squinty there, or something. you're not bright. I don't know what it is. But, but it, it was literally over the course, ended up being of about three hours. where I was like taking these pictures and then going back to most of the time, just looking at the camera and kind of critiquing. And, and the whole time I'm, I'm thinking to myself, like I mean they're, they were beautiful young girls, they were probably very athletic like. Cause they, Like, there's a playfulness to life when you're on a beach where it's like, this is a beautiful place, beautiful world, and and there's, like, you can build castles, you can run in the water, you can feel, like, the waves crashing over you, because we had these great swells that day, and and all that, you can look for shells, you can just, whatever you want to do, but in the midst of it, the whole time is spent just kind of, like, just pleading with this camera to give me the final, the shot that will capture a moment, please, of happiness, so then I can put it out there. And to me, it just, kept, and I don't, I don't want to pick on these girls. Like, I get it. We've all done, like, I mean, I stand in front of, like, historical places and, like, take pictures like that, right? You're like, okay, the girl's on the beach and then look at Matt next to the Washington Monument. And I'm like, okay, this is, is <laughs> like, I'm doing the same thing, right? Like, we all do it. We all do it to some degree. So, I don't want to pick on them. But here's the thing. When we take glory in ourselves and all we can see is ourselves, oftentimes what's happening is there's glory all around us and we miss it. A lot of times we just, we miss the glory in the mundane moments with our kids. We miss the mundane moments with the friends. We miss the just the mundane moments of the birds chirping in the air around us. In, in the air around us, we, we we just we miss these moments, and oftentimes it's because our bodies are such have such a gravitational pull in our day to pull in our gaze and to pull in our attention and just to focus in on them. And God is saying, don't look constantly in the mirror at yourself for that glory. Like go out and use your see the glory through through that body. Taste glory feel glory feel it on feel the sunshine on your skin feel the feel just the the, the wind when you, in your in your in your arms when you're when you're just dancing and twirling like whatever it is when you're playing ball when you're but don't miss the glory around you sometimes when we get so locked in on our own glory. We miss glory around us. And that, honestly, at the end of the day, I think is God's heart where he's like, I don't want you to miss the glory. My glory doesn't just go in on itself where I'm just looking at myself, but there's actually, that's why it's Father, Son, Holy Spirit, where it's other-oriented while also coming back in. God says, I want you to be so amazed in my, my glory and in the beauty of creation, around, just the goodness around you that it pulls you out of yourself, Because that will eventually fade. You can lose it, and you don't have to live in fear then of losing it because the thing that you've cultivated to find joy and delight in is all around you. And my mercy is made new every morning. Uh, The the last lie then is that our bodies don't matter. So I've kind of talked about addressing a a little bit, I guess you could say uh, culturally right now, some of the lies that we have. I want to then address where we pendulum swing, which is then we go, my body doesn't matter. My body doesn't matter. This is kind of the you know like well everyone's obsessed with their bodies but I'm not and why would I rearrange the chairs on the Titanic when this whole thing's sinking you know like it's kind of that mentality like like what does it matter I, I I deal with my body if I care for my body uh, <laughs> said literally no one any at any point that anyone referred to their body as the Titanic uh, but here's the thing there there obviously in our day there is some wisdom and there's truth to that statement like why why would we take an an a dis or a disordinate amount of time focusing on our bodies. But here's the thing, it's not an excuse to neglect or even to abuse our bodies. It's interesting that there's something in the ancient Christianity that has its really plagued the church all throughout church history. It's called dualism. It's this heresy. And what dualism claims is that everything that matters or, or is a value that Get weird in a moment. With the word uh, that is a value and significance is up here in the realm of ideas. It's the spiritual. It's this disembodied realm, and everything that's here in the physical is just lowly, dirty, broken, insignificant, of lesser value. Everything in the material realm. And 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 there. What happens in our day, I think, is that we can kind of grab hold of it. it's. It's always hard because g- uniquely Christianity provides us a worldview that says that we have a God who is spirit, who's created a world that is matter, that is wholly different, and that matter matters, but also then also there is the spiritual realm and it doesn't interfuse them in, a, in an unnecessary way. It's, it's very mysterious and very unique, but at the same time, what God says is God still holds up the value of the created world. But it's easy in our day to fall back in that ancient heresy and to begin to just value, say, it's almost like it's hyper-spiritual nowadays to say, like, well, I'm not about all of that. But then what we can do is we can begin to actually disregard our bodies, begin to not care for our bodies. But what Scripture presents again and again is that we would care for bodies. In fact, it says, love your neighbor as yourself. And also Paul says in Ephesians 5 that a husband will cleanse his wife and care for his wife just as he does his own body. In other words, what I'm saying, a lot of the ethical thinking in Scripture that is presented of how we learn to love, how we learn to care, actually is grounded in where we first learn it is to care and love for our own bodies. It happens over and over again in Scripture. When you read it, you'll see this. And here's why, because what God is saying is you, you were given a body that I've placed you in, and, and naturally you will want to care for this body. No one, like I had stomach pains all last week and all this, I, I no, no point was like, oh, that doesn't matter, right? Like I immediately want to care for my body and, and fix it. And we learn tangibly to love first with caring for our own bodies. We learn tangibly how to actually care and love and nurture with our own bodies. And then as we learn with our own bodies, then we learn to do that and extend it to other, other individuals. And in fact, the more that we experience the love of God, the more just like a child experiences the love of their parent, they will love and, and, and take care of their bodies in healthy ways in the same way that the more that we have the love of God, the more that we will love and nurture and care for and tend to our bodies. And then from there, what happens is our bodies, because God has given us to steward them, we look to strengthen our bodies, maximize our bodies for the greatest good so that God can use them in the world around us. And so there's, so there's no place in Scripture where it says that our bodies are useless. In fact, oftentimes when we don't care for our bodies, when we do harm to our bodies, it actually reveals that deep down that there's actually a lack of love that we have on us in a spiritual sense and it's tangibly coming out in how we treat our bodies and how we use our bodies against others. And so our bodies, God says, don't Don't devalue and say, well, it doesn't matter how I treat my body. In fact, actually, one of the greatest spiritual disciplines you can have is caring for your body because tangibly caring for your body will actually disclose where maybe you don't believe that God actually cares for you in a tangible level. Caring for our bodies is is a way that we realize that God does take care of every hair on my head, that God holds together every atom in my body, that he charts every day moment of my life. Before me, God gives me good health. God gives me a new morning. God gives me breath in my lungs. And God says, care for your body as I care for you, so that then you can use that body to care for others as an overflow of that reality. So that leads us then, those are some of the lies that we can address. So that leads us to how do we steward our bodies. So one of the ways that we can think of stewarding our bodies is, uh, you know. How do we think about this? I I almost want to think like it's almost like stewarding, like taking care of an an older car, right? Like you get a car, it's new. As it ages, you just want to care for it, and you're taking care of it as you go along. You don't worship it. You just want your body to be in a way that it's healthy. But here's the thing. One of the realities, I want to nail this here, is that our body and our soul go together. Our body and our soul go together. You cannot, you don't separate them. And so as our body goes, so goes our spirit often. Just like often as goes our soul, there goes our body, which we'll come back to. And so one of the things I'll do often if I'm doing like counseling, and and people are shocked by this sometimes because I'm a pastor and they expect that we come in and we just start talking about all the issues kind of up here. And I'll ask them pretty quickly. Like I used to have this form that we would fill out and it was like, it's a link that you would think you're going to the doctor's office. I want to know how much sleep have you had, I want to know diet, I want to know what kind of, you know, pro- like are you, how much alcohol are you drinking, how much are you smoking, how much are you, uh, how much exercise are you getting? I, I ask all these questions because I believe that, if, it's like if I'm coming in, I'm like, I'm anxious and I'm all this, and it's like how much coffee do you drink? You're like, uh, I don't stop, I just keep drinking. You're like, okay, and then you go, how much sleep do you get? Two hours a night. And you're like, maybe we should start there, right? Like that's where we need to start <laughs> before we start talking because that's going to overwhelm. So here's the thing. Our bodies and our souls are intermixed. This, I think they have the quote up there. I found this, uh, came across this morning, Millard Erick, er, Erickson, he says this, uh, humans are to be treated as unities. Their spiritual condition cannot be dealt with independently of their physical and psychological condition and vice versa. The Christian who desires to be spiritually healthy will give attention to matters such as diet, rest, and exercise. Any attempt to deal with people's spiritual condition apart from their physical condition and mental and emotional state will only be partially successful, as will any attempt to deal with human emotions apart from people's relationship with God. So he's a theologian. I believe this comes from a systematic theology when he's um, talking about the human being and body and soul. And what he's impressing there is that biblically we always see that the body and soul go together. So how do we care for our bodies? First step is that we would care for our bodies by... Uh, with spiritual posturing, spiritual posturing. So I want to start at the spiritual part. Here's one of the things that drives me nuts, honestly. I, so I'm, I'm, I'm very much like, I love theology. I love the cognitive aspects of our faith and the intellectual. I believe Christianity makes more sense of the world in every facet and every realm and every categor- philosophical category and whatnot I believe than any other worldview or any other set of truths in human history. There also comes a place, though, where we have to work out those truths in our lives. And one of the things that's sorely missing in the Western church that we've lost post-enlightenment and over-intellectualizing our faith and now over-emotionalizing our faith are a lot of the embodied practices that the church has had from the very beginning. And so if you read church history, and a lot of these now are being imported from the East because they were Uh, as the church went east, they brought these embodied practices and then other religions took them and now they're importing them back into the Christian West. Anyways, my diet PSA ended right there. But one of the things that in church history is that the church would posture when praying. One of the things I did for a long time in my life was, I. so this is an example, I would get up out of bed and I would get on my knees first thing when I got out of bed. Almost like it's a fluid movement straight to my knees and I would sit by my bedside. And one of the reasons I would do that, and I would just quickly pray, and I would say, Lord, I am yours. And what that did to me every day was it said, my body is in a position, a posture of submission to the Lord. And, and what that was doing, it was, it was redirecting my soul using my body. And it was saying to my soul, not only is my, but my body, I am my whole being, Lord, I am yours. And I did that as a way to redirect my soul every morning. And then I would go and I'd open up my Bible and I'd have that time with the Lord. But it was a way to use my body to direct myself to the Lord. Like We can throughout the day. Spiritual posturing is just if there are ways that throughout the day you can close the blinds in your office and at lunch and get on your knees and pray. Uh, you You can sit if you're anxious and you sit in the presence of the Lord and you pray with them and just... Take deep breaths, read God's word and breathe in the truths of God's word and breathe out the, the lies and the, the sin and confess to him and breathe in his grace. There are these practices of spiritual breathing. Like one of the things is: are there ways that throughout the day you can nurture your soul with your body and the posturing of your body? And so spiritual posturing is one of the ways to care for your body. Well, a lot of, I think this addresses a lot of the psychosomatic. Things that we're seeing come up today and the the explosion of these things because we're all, one, living such sedentary lifestyles in the modern world and we're all so inundated with knowledge and our bodies aren't in any way processing these things. Um, Then second, care for your body with food. So Hippocrates, you may have heard this quote, he said, "'Let food be thy medicine and medicine be thy food.'" It's pretty ancient good wisdom. Uh, God designed our bodies in a world where food grows. Sometimes it moves. Sometimes it (laughs) grows on a tree or as a root, right? And so God designed our bodies for good food. And here's the thing. I'm not a dietitian, but all of our bodies have different, I think there are baseline nutritional needs, but all of our bodies have a little bit different where they run on different things. But here's what I'll say. What is clear, I'm no dietitian, but here's what I know. Most of us need to eat more slowly and more regularly, more natural, f- greens, fruits, vegetables, those are green, anyways. Uh, but we, we should eat good foods, healthy foods more often. It, it, it is not, we don't have to be like, high, it's not a, this hyper-spiritual thing. God made us in a world, like there's a reason why the Old Testament did have dietary laws. It, it, there were multiple reasons for that, but one of the reasons was because God was revealing to his people, here's how to navigate the world and what to eat and what's good for your bodies. Now, in the New Testament, Mark 7:19, Jesus says, and he declared all food is clean. Okay, so you can eat whatever you want. I ate licorice yesterday. It was delicious, all right? Licorice doesn't grow on trees from what I've been told, right? Like, <laughs> it has a lot of processed sugar in it. It was great. But the thing is, limiting processed sugars, limiting things that are natural, and trying to eat good foods. But here's the thing, not only do we eat good foods, but I would challenge you to slow down and enjoy those foods. Slow down into them. Here's the thing, introducing just delight into when you eat food. Like, not just, I pray a quick prayer, and then we eat, right? Sometimes it's like, the table looks like we just ran everything through a wood chipper, right? Like, did anyone eat anything? When we eat slowly, what it is, is it's, it's one, being able to slow down. God has given us the grace of time. Ancient cultures, they were like, like they didn't have four loaves of bread in their deep freezer, right? Like they're like, where's our next meal coming from? And they still slowed down and ate slowly. We, we have, God has provided abundantly. And, and he says, sit down and eat, commune with others, and enjoy good food. It's good for your body to have that gladness. Uh, and with that too, I would say drink more, it does matter drinking more water, balancing out, not just having high caloric drinks, and, but having more water in our diet. If we're not getting enough, it will run us down. Guys, I have had days where I swear I, I'm completely collapsing into depression. And then my wife says to me, have you drank water today? And then I go, maybe, <laughs> right? And then I have some water. And I'm like, I'm just like on the floor, like kind of moving, like just barely moving. I don't know what's wrong with me. And it's like, how about you have a glass of water? And then all of a sudden, it's like I have a glass of water and five minutes later, I'm like, woo, let's do this. All right? Like there is something about that we, we run ahead and we get so anxious and we hyper-spiritualize everything. And it's saying that God designed our bodies to be run on good, nutritious food and on water. We should probably put that in our bodies right? Those are the means that God has called us to. Uh, And one of the things, if you're wondering, how do I have a healthier relationship with food? I don't have a whole section in here. I I, I thought about having a whole section just addressing gluttony. I said it. There is a sin that I don't think in the West we ever say in church, which is gluttony. And and gluttony means that ultimately, what I write down here because I want to be careful, Uh, gluttony is when food becomes our God and it dictates our state of being. But gluttony, it's not so much the quantity as much as the qualitative way that we relate to our food when food becomes our God and it dictates the state of our being, the food, the God of our belly. And one of the things is I think we wrestle a lot with not having food be the savior that we run to, the one that consoles us, or the thing that we're, we're dependent on things like, I, I every now and then I, I try to make sure I'm not completely dependent on caffeine because it'll just keep us going, 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 going. And, and so one of the ways that the Bible presents a, a, a spiritual discipline that Jesus said, when I'm gone, my disciples will do this. Not it, like maybe they'll do this or they have the option. It says, when I'm gone, they'll fast. Um, and, and what Jesus is talking about is that there are regular rhythms in our life that we would just continue, like we would consider for 24 hours. Maybe it's a specific food. Maybe it's a specific eating outside of meals or it's specifically not eating food to have a time where we would actually fast from something. We do this all the time now with digital fast, right? And we see how healthy it is to not have our phone there 24-7. And then all of a sudden you f- you f- have more joy and you, you're, and you sleep better. Uh, it's the same thing with our food, that what will happen when we fast is God reveals often our relationship to food and physical things that we've become dependent on. And so if you want to have, I've always found that to to kind of gauge and reevaluate where I'm at in my heart and relationship to food. I'm overly dependent on certain things or I'm overly consuming certain things for unhealthy reasons. Fasting is one of the ways that God has again and again reoriented my soul and my heart and my belly. In order to be able to see and then figure out what steps I need to take from there. So fasting is is one of those steps that you can take. You may consider this week taking a day where you fast from something for a day to say, Lord, am I dependent on this thing? Or is this thing driving completely my emotional state, my spiritual state? And seeing what the Lord does. The next, care for your body with movement with movement. I almost want to say challenge your body with movement. Here's the thing. I'm not going to say, I always think it's funny when people are like, okay, I got to get in shape. And the next thing you know, they're like running out in front of your house with those goop packs. And they're like, I'm running a marathon next week. And you're like, you know, the guy they named that after, you know what happened at the end of the story? He died. (laughs) I was like, like, I'm going to run a marathon. I'm going to get healthy and run a marathon. I'm like, you know how that story was all about how the guy died when he his name was Marathon. Anyways, uh, no, I mean, facetious, like, I just don't like running. But when we, one of the things that the Bible presents is that we, we live in a sedentary world now. Very few of us have jobs where we move anymore. That, that's, that was unheard of up until 100 years ago in human civilization. Like, there were very few people who had jobs like that. So our lifestyles are very sedentary now. And so one of the things that the way we care for our body is with movement. And that might mean going for a walk. That might mean going to the gym. That might mean getting on your bike and and going around. That might mean getting the kids out in in the the stroller and pushing them around for a while. Here's the way I would, here's how you challenge yourself. I believe our bodies need stress. Like our bodies need resistance. The way that you build muscle, the way that you build endurance, the way is that your body needs to push where its limits are and so one of the best things you can do is just say how do i introduce just the first level of stress and for some of you it may be i train a lot and so i continue training and putting that that resistance on and i continue training in that way but for some of you that rest might be if you have a phone going okay i took three i take on average three thousand steps a day i'm going to increase that over the next week i'm going to get four or three or whatever four or five thousand steps a day and I'm going to challenge myself and, and, and push myself to that next level to get more movement in my life. God created our bodies to move, and we should challenge our bodies with movement. It's a healthy thing. And here's the thing. I do not believe, I, I hate this movement now that it's either we worship fitness or on the other, because I'm going to speak to those who are saying, what about fitness and those things? Where we, like, push those things out. and go, oh, that's just completely... Um, it's it, like it's everything, right? And then on the other hand, we say, oh, that's just, it's just vain glorious. Here's the thing, here's a good way to look at fitness. It is not ungodly, it is not vain to say, I wanna maximize or at least improve upon the strength of my body in order to make my body able to operate as well as possible in the service of others as long as possible. That is not an unhealthy thing. And, and so there can be unhealthy lengths to which we go with that. But listen, it is healthy at the same time to say, I'm going to take those steps in order to train my body. Physical training is of some benefit, Paul says. And it's of benefit because what happens is often when we do a little bit of pushing our bodies, what happens is that goal quantitatively, a few more steps, another mile, a little bit more weight, what happens is it forces us then qualitatively to realize what are the things in my life that I'm not physically healthy enough to get there. I knew maybe I'm not drinking enough water and maybe I need to adjust my diet. Maybe I need to get more sleep. It will reveal it, but until you push yourself, you'll never see it. And so oftentimes, so can you challenge yourself with movement in some way? Just take your shoes to work and then afterwards, drive straight to the park or to a neighbor's house or a friend's house, put the shoes on before you leave work and go, I'm meeting you and we're gonna go for a walk. Movement, care for your body with movement and then care for your body with rest. Uh, I love this quote by, I think it's Anne Lamott, she's an author, she says, everything runs better when shut down for a time, including you. Uh, You know, duty cycle on machines, everything, you turn it off for a while, turn it back on, oh, it works all of a sudden, including us. Uh, It's such a good way of putting it. We need sleep. Uh, One of the ways that you care for your body is by getting seven to eight, everyone's a little bit different, but hours, some people need more. If you're a teenager, you probably need nine plus hours a night. And one of the things that keeps us from it, I know for me... (laughs) And so have something that cuts it off so that you're done with media at least an hour before bed. Media, social media, is what keeps you up too late. And then what happens is we're too tired and it begins a vicious cycle where we keep turning to that stuff more and more to keep us going. Okay? Um, and, so, and then lastly, care for your body with clarity. Um, so I share with you last week I was really sick. That continued. I was actually two more days in intense pain. Uh, this week, now thankfully I'm, I'm pretty much back to normal, um, where I got nailed with this GI virus. It was, it was nasty. You know what one of the best things in the midst of it, because I was having all kinds of physical things that we were trying to figure out, was that I had just five days before they had returned a complete series of blood panels. And in those blood panels it showed everything was great. And so there were some concerns immediately about several things that immediately we knew weren't possible things because of those blood panels. In in other words, one of the things when I say care for your body with clarity is you should regularly see a physician. It's not like a worldly thing to go to the doctor and and have blood work done to get checkups done. It's a good and godly thing that we would go and we would say, okay, where am I at in life? What are the things that are most likely? And get those regular checkups done. That is a good thing to care for your body, again, because if God calls us to steward our bodies for his glory, it allows us to take care of our bodies, nurture our body, address things when they're smaller, so that then we can use our bodies for God's glory and for others' good and for our joy. And so care for your body with clarity. That's not something we have to hyper-spiritualize, I don't need to go see the doctor. We do need to see the doctor, and it's a gift of God's grace in the modern world. We have doctors that we can go and see. So which one of those areas of care could you take a step in this week? We take steps to steward our body. And listen, it's not just a necessary thing to steward our bodies. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. Because God has created our bodies, and they were good. And God created your body, and he placed your soul in your body. And he says it is good. So steward your body. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for these truths, and Lord, we ask that you would uh, just, Lord, show us whatever steps we need to take in sterling our bodies. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.